Are you ready to become awesomer? Hi, everyone. This is Umar Hamid, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where sales leaders share their insights and ideas on how to make us better, stronger, faster. And today, I'm privileged to have Chris Mechanic here, the CEO of Web Mechanics. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you, Umar. Really excited to be here. So, Chris, in 90 seconds, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Yeah, so I'm co-founder and CEO of Web Mechanics. Web Mechanics is a performance-based marketing and advertising firm. I like to say we basically help our clients get the phones ringing and the cash registers dinging. So we do online advertising on Facebook, Google Ads. We do a lot of analytics, a lot of testing of different landing pages and things like that. In a prior world, I was a self-employed, just internet entrepreneur. Right. And then I was recruited into the agency space and... Once I saw how you know things were being done, I said, hey, let's give it a shot. Let's hang a shot. I can do it better. <laughs> I can do it better, exactly. That is awesome. Classic story, right? <laughs> so we're going to dig deeper into what you guys do because from one point of view, it looks pretty, pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And the reality is it's freaking hard. It's like voodoo to figure out what people are thinking out there on the other side of the ad to get them to take action right. that you want other than ignore yeah, yeah. I mean, the messaging pieces like you know can be voodoo, but also just the technicalities of the platforms themselves these days. Yes. Like the Facebook advertising platform has fast become pretty much the world's most complex self-service advertising system. There's so many bells and whistles and little uh, pitfalls. Same with Google AdWords. Same with Google Analytics, really. But of course, they're they're made by Google and Facebook and an army of the smartest engineers that you've ever met and it's literally just designed to make you spend money. Right? Yep. <laughs> so if you don't know what you're doing on the technical side of the back end, it's just like so that's sort of the yin and yang thing that I like, which is like, you know, the the ad copy and the messaging is the yin so the and then the art and the science. Exactly, exactly. Brilliant. So Chris, who is your favorite superhero and why? Favorite superhero, you know, I got to go Superman, man. I got to go Superman. I know it's a boring answer, but Superman is, he's a Superman. He's got his girl. He's got Lois Lane. He's got his day job. And then he just, he's got his suit under there and he just goes uh, flying. He can cut. But just remember, he does not have a girl. Well, he unrequented love at his his worst. (laughs) So what motivates you? What gets you up in the morning? What gets you to execute? Like uh, today is a holiday and you came in to promote your business and have a conversation with me. So what motivates you? I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Everybody always talks about these things. It's the dollar, baby. I need that dollar. Just like (laughs) you and everybody else. No, seriously, um, I am obviously motivated by money. I think most salespeople are. Um, But what's really gratifying, surprisingly gratifying in growing web mechanics is seeing people come into the uh, organization very green, very new. So employees. Employees, yeah, not knowing anything and oftentimes having difficulty getting any jobs. They graduated with marketing or business mm. degree or whatever. But within a year, two years, three years, recruiters are banging down their door. And they're all of a sudden very, very good um, just you know, having learned through here. So seeing people grow and progress and you know, be, you know, go from kind of zero to hero almost is very gratifying too. That is nice. And that's a good sign of leadership because ultimately is how do we get people to go beyond their limitations right. and reach their potential. That's right. So who's your mentor? You know, I've been fortunate enough to have many mentors over the years. My very first mentor was a guy named Andy Waller. This was uh, – so I sold insurance basically right. at Aflac when I was like 16, 17 years old. That was my first real sales job. 
and and he just you know he took me under his wing he bought me my first suit and he taught me basically about full calling and full cycle selling right there via insurance brilliant that was cool so if you could have lunch with anybody living from history a character from a book like who would that one person be and what question would you ask them you know who it would be honestly i don't yeah. know if you know this person but it would be Paramhansa Yogananda. This is, guy, he wrote the autobiography like if you have of a yogi. yogi. Right. Yes, I know who he is. And there's a great documentary on Netflix that if you've not yes. seen it, you must see. I have seen that, but I would love to meet him. Actually, you know, I would really love to meet Jesus if, if, I'm, if I could just choose yeah. anybody. But Yogananda, there's a quote from him that I really like. It was like when he first came to America to kind of bring yoga and meditation to the West, he came to an airport that was carpeted. Mm-hmm. And he said, these people live in paradise, but they're too busy with their lives to notice because this is bigger than my village and is carpeted and, <laughs> <laughs> and heated. It's like pretty amazing. Yeah. So you already mentioned your first real sales job was uh, Aflac. Yep. So what did you learn there that still serves you today? You know, I learned about hustle. I learned about uh, rejection because it was a full cycle sales job. So you would start by basically building pipes. So I would have to make 30, 40, 50, sometimes even more calls just to get people on the phone, let alone convince them to let an some young kid come in and talk to their, you know, probably elderly employee base about like hospitalization and cancer insurance people would look at me like i'm crazy they're like what the hell do you know about cancer man like you're can't even grow a mustache the uh, i was talking to this young lady and she was saying well her first cold call it was at aflac and her manager was there and it was the first one she was doing herself and the guy she called said you're the eighth aflac person that's called me this week and you keep on calling me and then he started swearing in her and it was the worst call ever and mm-hmm. she's just deer in the headlights and that she gets over it yeah. and so the guy says congratulations that'll be the worst call you'll ever do everything's <laughs> uphill is up from here baby yeah but then um you know i've always been fascinated so prior to aflac i've always been uh drawn to sales yes to the tune of like an eighth grade for instance it was jewelry was all popular like men would wear these chains it was kind of inspired by the very hip-hop. italian yeah or the italians oh, yeah. Uh, a different generation sorry it was the hip-hop for yeah. yours so i was all into it uh and i found this source of gold-plated jewelry which mm-hmm. looked and felt exactly like you know the real 14 thing. or 18 karat gold and it held up really well so i would wear it and people started asking me about it so then i began selling that you know I would just go and buy it for very cheap, and I would double or triple the price. And it was still much cheaper than real gold, but I was selling that in eighth grade. And so I think one of the key learning lessons that I had there was basically if you can find something and procure it for a certain amount of money and then sell it for more, that's like the easiest way to make money. That's yes, right? business. So, um, so that and also to pay attention to demand. So people were asking me, hey, where'd you get that chain? And then I was just like, oh, well, you want one? <laughs> <laughs> So basic business stuff that sometimes people lose sight of by getting too fancy. So what's the best deal you ever had? The best deal I ever had. You know, I've struck a lot of good deals. And honestly, so I have this deal right now. And it's funny because I'm not getting paid anything for it. Mm -hmm. Zero dollars. So there's this client, their startup, you know, SaaS company out of the Northern Virginia area. And so they call me in for an appointment and we're talking and we're getting along well and both of us are getting all excited and the buyer goes, the only thing is I don't have any money right now. I'm raising money. And I was like, well, what the heck? 
So uh, I spoke with one of my uh, business partners about it, and it turns out that this guy's like the most connected human being on the, the most planet. I know who this is, by people. the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, fine. We'll we'll do a deal, but let us use your software and let us. And uh, once we kill it, you know, once you're enjoying the service, then be an evangelist. Be an evangelist. Well, even more specifically, I was like, send us five good referrals a month. Yeah. And we're like tracking it. And so, you know, within just a couple months, we did indeed start killing it. The chart started singing, and the phone started ringing, and they're starting to sing our praises. And now, now two of the hottest deals in my pipeline right are now that. are from that. Yeah. Brilliant. And I expect both of them to close. And it's largely on the strength of the endorsement from this person. So deals like that I like. That and performance-based deals I yeah. like. Like straight cash deals are kind of boring these days. Nice. So tell me about – you mentioned you wanted to meet Jesus, but tell me about a come-to-Jesus moment in your business career uh, where it was like, oh, my God, I need to change what I'm doing. This is not working. Tell me about one of those. So, you know, in the earlier days, there was a period where I was kind of – I kind of thought of myself as this hotshot sales guy. You know, use I would use sales tactics. I would use some pressure tactics sometimes. Right. I would use, like, bait-and-switch takeaways, like all these kind of uh, – sales tactics and it was working in, in when we were selling to very very small businesses but then as we started selling into larger businesses those right. types of techniques would turn them off and it took me a while to realize this but uh you know one day i just looked my pipeline was dry i didn't have a lot of people calling we had some clients and they were happy but it was almost as if anytime i had a meeting like i never would get follow-ups and then one of my one of the prospects that i was pitching to was kind enough to pull me aside and say hey man like tone it down a little bit. Like you know what you're doing. Like you don't have to rely on these sleazy sales tactics. Yeah. Like I really learned you're transparent to us. <laughs> yeah. So I read this blog post called "From Selling to Serving," and and that's just basically about adjusting the mindset from like closing a prospect. Yeah. Like, doesn't that sound so like you know warlike? Oh, yeah. It's like it's like a fight uh, acquiring a prospect. Like what? You don't acquire people. Um, you attract them, right? Yes. So, uh, so that, or you kidnap them, or you, yeah, or that. <laughs> That's, That's another that story. Too. So, um, that really caused a, a jolt for me. I was like depressed, you know, for a little while about it. I was all sad, but then it changed my perspective, and I've since closed, you know, tens of millions of dollars of business. So, uh, if you can find that article, and we'll put the link on this podcast, so yeah. they can actually other people can read it too. Yeah, I know exactly where it is. So, tell me about a, a deal that you saved from the jaws of death. A deal. I mean, it's pretty much every, every deal <laughs> is saved from the jaws of death. I mean, over the nine years since we started, or eight years since we started Web Mechanics, it has gotten so super competitive. Like right. previously, it was just what we would call the 600 a monthers who would yeah. come and say, hey, we'll do everything for 599 but like they're pretty easy to sell against, or the bigger agencies. So we had this nice little sweet spot. Um, but these days, I'm telling you, man, it's fiercely uh, competitive. competitive. Yeah, and and I don't know that there's a deal that I've – I feel like every deal you have to save it. So it kind of goes back to what you said earlier, like that deal you did with the person who shall not be named. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a strategic move. Like I need somebody with lots of uh, uh, notoriety, high trust level to do those introductions and their deals that no one else can take because they don't have that endorsement. Yeah. And, you know, um, if I've ever saved a deal from the jaws of death otherwise, mm -hmm. the way that I've done it is by essentially 
making guarantees, putting putting performance. Money where the another word that you've yeah. used a lot. Because because the thing is, everybody everybody that does search engine marketing yeah. and stuff, they all talk the same game. Everybody sounds the same. So how do you distinguish yourself? Well, I feel for the buyers honestly because they can't distinguish it either. They're just like, whoa, well these guys sound the same. This guy wants ten grand a month. This guy's talking about five five hundred ninety nine bucks a month. Like, what's the disconnect? Let's give this guy a thousand, but right? Yeah. So I do that in a couple of ways. I take a very educational approach. Mm -hmm. I literally will open up my laptop. I'll say, hey, let's look at your website. Let's get into your Google Analytics. Right. Let me show you some things. And I will show them things and sometimes get the – they'll comment, oh, my God, like I've been working with this agency for two years and they haven't showed me anything like this. So I think – to differentiate, really, I try to take an educational approach to demonstrate my savviness, to tell stories, right. and, you know, things like that. But at the end of the day, sometimes it comes down to two things, and I say, "Hey, look, if it's price that's that's the issue, don't let it be." Because I will, you know, if this isn't a win for you, it's not a win for us, and we don't want you as a client. So I have been known to make guarantees which some people think is crazy, but hey, I'm confident. We got an excellent team and like 90% plus of our clients are happy. So if it takes a little bit of uh, risk to get the reward, I'm, I'll do it. Makes perfect sense. So looking at the sales profession as a whole now, because this is a different landscape than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. So what's the biggest challenge facing companies today as it comes to acquiring new clients, selling? So I think a couple of things. Most companies suck at marketing. No Me included. Yeah. <laughs> so they have these gifted salespeople who spend most of their time prospecting and setting appointments or running earlier appointments right. and qualifying. Um, so I think that that really is the biggest challenge for a lot of them, and that's really what we do at our business is like providing a steady lead of inbound or a steady flow of, leads. flow of leads. Yeah, so that your salespeople can sell instead of whatever they're doing, digging through the CRM or the phone book and just makes perfect sense. 50 calls a day. Yeah. Because on the flip side, consumers are doing all their research up front before they even talk to a salesperson. So if you can be in that flow, then you actually align with the customer's buying process. Yeah, and you know, related challenge is the, the sales and marketing conundrum. Yes. So in order for the salespeople to be free, they need their marketers to perform, right? And in order for the marketers to post good returns they need to sell but there's a silo always so here's a question for you that i've not asked anybody yet on these podcasts so what is the superset and what is the subset is sales a subset of marketing or vice versa that's a tough question you know i think both of them are subsets of something called creating a customer mm -hmm. so i i don't know that you can say one or the other because it's like the beginning of the process versus the end but i think both of them are a subset on the same level of a different thing that's bigger. Okay. If that makes sense. Cool. From my point of view, I always saw it as marketing was the superset because they help identify what customers want, where the customers are. Sometimes they suck at it. Sorry, marketers. <laughs> and then the salespeople do the execution. But as soon as they do the execution, it's back to marketing again to how do we keep that customer as part of our family and what do we need to know. And But, yeah, there's way too many companies where there's silos and bitter enemies. Yeah. If only the leads you gave me were better. And it's like we give you all these leads and you guys suck at closing them. Right. <laughs> so uh, you have to uh, set expectations for your salespeople. And you've mm -hmm. been in organizations where you've got people that you answer to. Mm -hmm. So how would you advise someone that has a C-suite that they need to answer to? 
and they've got a bunch of salespeople that need to execute. How do you set expectations for both groups in order that you get your job done? See, I think the key to that is uh, common metrics. Mm -hmm. So if everybody's speaking the same language in terms of the metrics, and it doesn't have to be a lot of metrics or a very fancy dashboard, but if everybody speaks the same in terms of metrics, which in sales it might sound like appointments, opportunities, deals in pipe, deals close one, right. deals close loss, you know, things like that. Um, if everybody from the C-level on down to the new sales guy and in between speaks the same language, then it helps tremendously. And what you can do to really set expectations on both sides is for the C-suite, have a simple report that's not long or not difficult to read that just has your main numbers really front and center right. so that you can create an understanding, hey, this is how we track success. And then take those same exact numbers and stick them on the sales floor. You know, like if you're so inclined to have some kind of a dynamic dashboard where when people log up in CRM, it populates, that's great. If you want to do it old school style, just grab a whiteboard and start a tally. But that way, uh, everybody knows what the primary goals are and everybody knows where they're at at any given right. time. So the same landscape, we're looking at the same metrics, makes it's, perfect sense. It's simple, man. I like to keep things really simple. So what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Keep it simple. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. Best advice I've ever gotten, that's really tough. I'd have to say, oh, that's it. When going into business, mm -hmm. get a partner to do it with you who has, who's the yin to your yang, yep. who has the complementary skill sets. And you found that person. I absolutely did. I, I grew up with that person, actually. So my partner, Arsham, I've known him since literally birth. I'm like six months older, roughly. Uh, and we've embarked on various little entrepreneurial adventures over the years. But uh, when I was getting ready to make an exit from agency life and start my own, he happened to have or be graduating from college at that same time. Nice. And he was with a startup at the time, but he was ready to leave. So we said, hey, let's do it. And that, honestly, Umar, was probably the best advice I've ever gotten and the best decision that I've ever made because nice. there's no way. I mean, maybe there's some businesses that can be run with a single partner, but in this business, like, I would have been dead in the water within a year. So nobody can be the visionary and the detail person, right. for example. It's, it's, there's so much that goes into running a, a, a business, especially when you got, like, a bunch of folks. So how do you motivate your sales team? You know, honestly, we use a lot of your material. Mm -hmm. uh, we use, like, visualizations. We use objects. And, like, anytime an appointment is set, for instance, you ring a back bell? in the day we would ring a bell. Yeah. Now we only ring it when there's a sale. And the, the operations team always gets, like, nervous because, the, you know, just a bell rings. Um, so we do a lot of motivation or a lot of, you know, visualization, a lot of kind of pep talks in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then we bring speakers in, too, nice. like we did with you. And you've got a, we like having spoken here, it was like a really hungry group of people who want to learn stuff, which was really cool. Like, how do we do better? And that's kind of your culture here, which is yeah, nice. Absolutely. Yeah. One of, the, one of our core values that's held up the best over the years is learnaholic. Because in our business, you either learn or, you're, or you die. You're toast. So people that are attracted uh, to work here are oftentimes like learnaholics, <laughs> true to form. So how important is the right mindset to selling? Extremely important. Extremely, extremely important. It's probably the most important thing. And this is something that uh, as I grow, I get much better at. 
Right. Because when we were first starting, like I didn't, we didn't have a lot of customers. We really didn't have a lot of case studies. So we kind of had to fake it till we make it. Right. And, and there are times where I'll go into a big deal to pitch and I'm a little nervous, honestly, like I'm slightly right. intimidated. Like this is a $500 million company or billion dollar company, but it's critically important to remember your value and to not underestimate or undersell yourself. I used to, we have this thing, we call it noob syndrome, mm-hmm. which is when somebody's really new, they automatically assume that everybody else knows more than they do. Yep. But then as you grow, you realize that nobody knows what the, they're doing, yep. right? <laughs> <laughs> like in making soap, they'll kick our butts. Right. But in getting customers and marketing, that's, we dominate. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. So yeah, mindset is incredibly important. And it's important also to, this is a part of mindset, but to not be overly needy or desperate. Like you have to be willing to walk away from any deal at any point. Yep. And be fine with it. You know, if that ruins your day, then. So be it. So that's just like uh, being in a potential romantic relationships. If you're too needy and clingy, people run away from you. Absolutely. And the people that don't, you should run away from them. Yeah. And and people are smart, man. People are intuitive. They can sense that. Oh, big time. So what's something you know now that you wish you knew 10 years ago that would have helped you be a better leader, better sales guy? Add a zero. <laughs> People will pay more than, than what you typically think they will. If you do a good job building the value behind something, if you yeah. do a good job understanding their unique scenario and putting something custom together just for them, like they value it a lot. So whatever price tag you have in mind. Add a zero. Yeah. <laughs> so we do highlights of the, this is what you're going to learn in the podcast, and that's going to be the number one <laughs> piece of advice, add a zero. So... Uh, Part of your job is, you know, being a leader for this group of how many people in your company? 30. 30. So what's a piece of advice you would give other leaders to get the most out of their uh, their employees? So I would say, and this is something that I'm learning right now. I'm not an expert of this, but this is like my latest leadership kind of thing is focus. Limit the number of initiatives to like one or two initiatives at a time, maybe one or two sub initiatives, but multitasking is not a good thing. People say multitask. I'm a great multitasker. That means you're wasting time. We had a consultant come in and we did this exercise where, where we're like ripping paper. It's a long story, but, but it drove the point demonstrated. Yes. I think there's a bunch of research now that shows multitasking actually makes sure that you do mediocre in a bunch of things instead of just one. Yeah. And as a leader, I think that most entrepreneur entrepreneurs have a tendency toward multitasking Mm -hmm. because when you're starting something, you have to do many things a lot and do many things. Um, so as you grow, you know, you have, you have a tendency to, to maintain that habit. But it doesn't work at a certain point. You have to have focus because if you're scatterbrained all over the place, then how do you think everybody else is going to feel, right? right? So that's really my big thing so right now. Focus. And I've been Yeah, and I've been focusing on focus for like a few weeks and already seeing a huge improvement. Nice. Um, I don't remember what the exact question was, but. That's close enough. It was like, <laughs> you know, what's something you shared with other leaders? And you were saying, hey, focus on a few things rather than multitask and do a bunch of stuff. Yep, absolutely. So, Chris, as we wind this thing down, what's a must-read book that salespeople or leaders should be reading? Salespeople, my sales Bible is The New Conceptual Selling by Miller Hyman. Right. Do you, are you familiar with no, Miller Hyman? No, I'll, uh, I'll add it to my it's list. It's right there on the shelf. It's the blue one with the oh, red. Yeah. 
but it's uh, Robert Miller and I think Thomas Hyman. Right. But these guys, they break it down to a science. They provide that book provides all types of tactical advice and like little planning worksheets. They really take their sales seriously, and it's written in you know nice succinct language that's easy to understand. So that's my that's my number one sales book. Uh, number one leadership book, like things such as Good to Great, come to mind. Yes, but there's another one. Well, a couple others. There's one called Make the Noise Go Away. And it's all about for a second in command, like what a second in command should do for the CEO to basically help them to focus, have that focus. And then there's there's one other one that I really like, which is applicable for both sales and uh, marketing, which is called the Ultimate Guide to Mental Toughness, and that's NLP based. Nice. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. I should maybe it does uh, mention NLP, but you can see it. Throughout. Yeah, it compares the brain to a computer and the subconscious right. to like the you know the deep memory and then the local RAM right. to the you know to the conscious, conscious. mind and it gives uh, it provides tools basically NLP techniques. But I was introduced to that a long long time ago and I set up this one routine which I still do to this day in my head and I like anchored it you know so it's uh, nice. So yeah, that's a, that was an approachable and your your books are really good too. Chris, thanks so much for taking time today to have this conversation. I got a lot out of it, and I'm going to focus from now on. <laughs> good, good, yeah. You got to. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Mark.